Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what is going on? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James, super excited to be kicking it with you all here today. We got Rachel D'Alto coming out in just a minute. As far as I know from the Spanish I talk, that means Rachel of Tall. So uh, that's fine. We'll come back to that in a little bit. <laughs> but I'm super excited to have her out here, y'all. And I'm pumped to have you all as a member of this community and hanging out with me at the diner. What's your order today? What are we putting in there for you? You need a slice of pie. You need a, a, a fancy piece of layer cake that's been circulating in this refrigerator that spins all year round and no one ever orders from? Great. We'll get that right up for you. Whatever you need here, my friends, welcome to the diner. We cook it all and we cook most of it well. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Let's get Rachel D'Alto out here, but let me tell you about her first. Rachel and I have been friends for a handful of years. Don't know exactly how long. Maybe she'll tell me. But uh, she has been an incredible individual to get to know. Uh, she has also mentored me in a number of ways. And so I'm just grateful for her friendship, for her spirit, uh, and for the woman that she is. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to count how many times she shits on herself this episode. Okay? We're going to take a tally count. Shoot me a message afterwards. Uh, and uh, And also, you can count how many times I do it as well because my parents taught me well. But still, my friends, uh, I'm pumped. She's Jersey's finest, y'all, coming out here. You have seen her on Married at First Sight. You have seen her on TLC's Kate Plus Date and all of a bunch of other media outlets. She's working for Match.com. She's doing a whole bunch of incredible information, uh, excuse me, incredible things where she spreads information about being a relationship expert. I'm really excited to talk to her. And also, she's got a brand new book coming out a little bit later this year. It's called Relatable. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. But enough of my face. You need two faces, friends. Let's bring it out right now. Rachel D'Alto. What up, friend? <laughs> What's up? And I just want to make sure when you say shits on herself, you don't mean that literally. You mean that in terms of... <laughs> Well, I guess you'll have to watch, watch the live stream to find <laughs> out. Um, no. <laughs> no, Does that count as self-deprecating? No, that was no, that was humor. As long as it's <laughs> funny, I don't care. <laughs> Rachel, what's up today, friend? How are you? I am good. I am highly caffeinated. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful Is thing. It? Now, are you a, are you a like wake up coffee then life kind of individual? Is coffee first? Yes, always coffee. I honestly, there's very few times that I don't drink coffee and massive amounts of coffee. So mm. I do not want to be talked to or dealt with or do anything until yeah. I at least have two cups. <laughs> at least two cups. At least two. Okay. Yeah. All right. There it yeah. is. There it is. Now, do you, get, do you get fancy with your coffee? You're out here with like a slow drip? Are you out here with uh, some sort of fancy Nespresso machine? What are we doing out okay. here? Okay. So I, I feel a little bougie even admitting this, but yes, oh. I am addicted to Nespresso and it wasn't until, so I was like a curd girl. Cause I was just lazy. I like to do the one shots. I like yeah. to just have it, you know, cause I need a quick, I can't, I can't just live my morning with, <laughs> with, you know, waiting for the drip to be done. So I ended up doing a retreat in Sedona and we stayed at this fancy pants hotel 
and they had individual Nespresso makers in the room. So it was like Ooh. super bouge. And I was so addicted. I came home, I bought one for myself. I, I actually ended up buying one for my fiance who lives, uh, we live separate still. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, he became addicted. He never even liked coffee. And I now have him obsessed with Nespresso. I'm obsessed Ooh. with Nespresso. I'm going to go broke. Amazing. Well, this is a perfect time to drop in our sponsor, Nespresso. (laughs) Buy Nespresso. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. We don't have any sponsors. Um, But (laughs) But you should. (laughs) Well, we should. And honestly, uh, Tina just got a Nespresso machine as well. And it's happening. It's happening. Life changing. Same reason as you. No time with kids around. Like there's no time to have a slow drip and like the fancy, you know. Just pressing stuff when you have to take care of a kid. No. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Too many other things are pressing. Um, So (laughs) dad jokes are coming in quick today. Yeah. Uh, They're here. They're here. uh, I love that. I love that. I also appreciate that you and your fiance are, are living separately. You got to leave space for Jesus, Rachel. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you. Leaving space for Jesus. Or it could be because the market shit the bed. Yeah. That's it. One or the other. One or the other. You know, one person's market is another, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, Rachel, you are from the state of New Jersey. Are you born and bred Jersey? Are you Jersey through and through? I I am. I only got away for a little bit and then it pulled me back in like magnets. There you go. Now, where in Jersey are you from originally? Where did you grow up? uh, Technically, I'm in in an area that nobody believes exists called Central Jersey. People Ah, seem to think that there's like North and South, but there is a Central. I am due east of Philadelphia on the beach. So we're not North Jersey. We're not Philly. We are right in the center on the beach. So it's kind of, it's a nice part of Jersey. We don't want people to find it. So I probably shouldn't have given them directions. <laughs> well, Central Jersey is truly the unicorn of the United States. Has it really is. Um, <laughs> uh, slash I've been there. So your Central Jersey, are you, are you pork roll or Taylor Ham then? Pork roll. Okay. We are it. pork roll. Okay. Yeah. Because um, we're smart. Okay, there it is. <laughs> Shots fired. Where you at, North Jersey? Um, <laughs> we're coming in all the heavy hitters right now. We're not going to have a real conversation today. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what those are. Uh, growing up in Jersey, you know, I'm from Long Island. Here's the thing. Jersey Long and Long Island. Island like to give each other crap. But can we both admit the reason why we give each other so much crap is because we're basically the same people and we're bothered by it? I think you're probably right, except for Long Island. It's like, how do you get there? And then how do you get out? That's the one thing. Like, at least Jersey is attached to the rest of the world. Long Island, yeah. like, you could just cut off bridge and mm-hmm. they'd be done. Yeah. Yeah. That'd so be I think you guys have some some things to work through in, in terms of just being so removable. Yeah. I mean, it costs, I mean, it costs a solid, I think between the Gothels and the Verrazano, it costs like $22 to drive to Long Island, if not more, maybe even actually more than that. I think I think it's like 25 or 28 now. It's crazy. Yeah. I have, I, I was there a couple months ago and I was like, why do people come out here? Yeah. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> coming in heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Heavier. It's fine. It's okay. It's you're bitter. Yeah. You have you have you have, your 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 bagels aren't as good. Your pizza's not as good, and your people are more awkward. So I understand. <laughs> uh, whatever makes you happy, James. Whatever makes me happy. Oh gosh, I'm a male. I have nothing but getting defensive. That's all I can do. It's my only level. 
<laughs> oh, that's incredible. Now, as someone who grew up in Jersey, do you fancy yourself a diner? I love diner? diners. You're a diner oh my girl. gosh, diners. We would sneak out to diners at like two o'clock in the morning because they were open 24 hours back in the day. And we'd yeah, be in, yeah. you know, freshman year of high school and be like, mom, dad, <laughs> you can't hear us, right? <laughs> so you would sneak go out to a diner. To diner. That's incredible. Yeah, that, that was, I was bike? such a badass. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, you, you were like ride bikes over to the diner? We did. Or walked. We actually, there was one that was by my friend's house and her dad, her dad was a single parent and we totally abused it. But again, we went to the diner. We'd go to the diner at like one o'clock in the morning and eat uh, French toast. That would be my order every time because I had the thick cut French toast and drink oh. coffee yeah. as 14, 15 year olds. I'm not sure that I would be okay with my daughter doing that, but hey, I'm still here. <laughs> Which part? The, the sneaking out, the coffee, or the French toast? <laughs> I mean, the French toast I fully endorse. Okay, and, great. And yeah, but everything else, I'm like, it's probably not a good idea, kid. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. That's it. Coffee at 14. I feel like I feel like generations are drinking coffee earlier now. Starbucks, like I feel like I go into Starbucks and I see 12-year-olds in there ordering something that ends in Chino. Yeah, I was going to say that's not coffee. That's like sugar water with like a splash of decaf. So... I think they're they're faking it because it's it's cool, but no, we drank. I I drank coffee black since I was fourteen, so I got. I I should probably see somebody about that. <laughs> <laughs> it does say a lot about your grit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Might still be in my teeth, actually. <laughs> Physical grit. Well well so is your is your diner order to this day still French toast and coffee? Is that still your move? Um, you know what? So in, in my old age, I realized that protein really mattered. So mm. a lot of times I'll still try to sneak in some sort of French toast and, and have eggs with it. So I have mm -hmm. some protein. And honestly, this very morning I created kind of what I would consider a diner big boy breakfast to be. <laughs> because I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm a big boy. <laughs> but I worked out, I worked out this morning. I was super busy and I, I realized that I'd been awake for like, I don't know, eight hours and, and hadn't eaten anything and I was starving. So I made a full omelet, like egg and cheese, which is all of my omelets. So that's probably not that impressive. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm a cheese omelet kind of person. Right. So good. Yep. And then I had uh, protein waffles on top of that. So I had this like platter. And I feel good. I'm actually a little hungry again, though, which makes me a little worried. <laughs> so I that's, might eat after this. That's again. A, yeah, this is a judgment-free zone. I mean, well, that's not true. Um, yeah, but gonna, I'm not going to judge you have about you that. Have you met you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, uh, that is indeed a champion's breakfast right that's there. That's right. A big, a big boy breakfast for sure. Pulling the pants all the way up. Uh, I love that. I love that. I am uh, – I just – I. There's people who put a lot of stuff in their omelets. I'm usually cheese. I'm just cheese. I like a classic cheese omelet. Maybe I'll go two cheese. I mean, sometimes I go cheddar Ooh. and whisk. I'm feeling fancy. Wow. Yeah, I never get that fancy. I also don't cook, so that was the extent of my cooking. So I feel like if I added two cheeses in, people would have a different opinion of me. There would be expectations, and nobody wants that in their life. Yeah, no, got to got to keep them low. Got to keep them. Yeah, low. exactly. Yeah. Set the bar low. <laughs> like occasionally, like I'll make something, and Kevin, my fiance, will be like. What, what, this is the most amazing thing I've ever had. And I was like, that's because I never feed you. <laughs> Far low. There it is. So are you, are you actually, and no one listens to this, so don't worry about it. Are you actually a sneaky good cook? I honestly am. 
That's yeah, awesome. he'll never be sent this ever. Um, no, actually, I think he even knows it. So it's it's this weird thing. I just don't want to. Yeah. I you know there's certain things that I I don't enjoy doing, and I try to blame it on. You know, if I had that chef's kitchen, all of a sudden I'd be like wanting to chop and like create big <laughs> recipes and, you know, do these random things. I'm like, no, I could have the most amazing kitchen in the world. And I'm just going to want to sit around having takeout and a glass of wine. So, um, but I'm capable. I just don't want to. And I have realized that it is my prerogative. I'm an independent woman and I don't have to. You don't, you do not. I don't. Let's, let's get it. Let's get it. I also, <laughs> I've also realized that I am a, I'm pretty decent in the kitchen, uh, particularly with proteins. Um, I, I recently nice. bought a smoker. And so that's been fun because a barbecue is a, is one of the, uh, is one of the religions I prescribe to. And it is, but for me, cooking is, it's about time. I'm not interested yeah. in the investment of it, the the prep work and then the cooking and then I'm eating it for seven minutes and then I'm cleaning up. It's like, it's four hours of work for a tiny victory. And some people love that, right? They, they love the process. Yes. I do not love the process. And let, let's let them do that, including the place down the street that my kids legitimately started saying, mom, are we having that again? And I'm like, this is gourmet Italian food. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like $12.99 a pound for chicken parm. And you people are complaining about it? Yeah. So forget them. I don't care. Forget them. They're cheese. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. I love it. So I, I'm I'm grateful that you are someone who also appreciates a late night diner conversation, sneaking out to your friends, yeah. drinking black coffee like a boss, uh, <laughs> white t-shirt on, cigarettes curled up in the sleeve. Uh, <laughs> Actually, no, we did sneak a couple cigarettes during those ages. Yeah, that was bad. That was probably the worst thing we did. There it is. There it is. Yeah. There you rebel. Is. You rebel. Professional. Yep. There it is. Crazy. That's it. <laughs> I'm sending this to your parents. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the late night diner move is always, uh, is, is always exceptional. And so, so you grew up in Jersey and what, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? An actress. Actress. <laughs> Shocking. I know. Yeah. I, um, I loved acting. So I did a ton of theater. I was always doing like any sort of community theater, high school theater. Um, I did children's theater. I was like, no, this is amazing. I'm going to be an actress. And I remember I actually sung in the uh, choir with Kirsten Dunst. And I remember being amazing. so jealous of her, like absolutely just like seethingly jealous because she was younger than me and already mm. being successful. And she had these crazy like stage parents, especially her mom. Mm. And my mom's like, She's never wore makeup in her life. She mows the lawn. She's, I, I think she's, I don't know. She's like 68. I don't, she's going to kill me. Don't send this to her. Cause if I got her age wrong, I, I just can't count. Um, <laughs> still mows the lawn. Like would chop down a tree if she needs to like, like full, like German plow woman. And I'm like, but I want to go to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, no. <laughs> oh, really? She so shot like, it down. So I did. Yeah. Well, cause they said when I decided to go and apply to colleges, I was interested in doing drama and my parents were like, Hey, so here's the deal. Um, we will help you pay for college minus this very small portion that you're responsible for unless you decide to go into acting. And I was like, so I'm going to be a lawyer, <laughs> which is kind of the same thing. Sure. Yeah. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that happened. Crush wow. my dreams. Yeah. That's incredible. But yet you have, you have found your way back to the camera. I really have, which is the weirdest thing or yeah. is it weird? Um, but yeah, through all of that adversity of my parents who loved me very much and wanted me to have some sort of stability in my life, <laughs> <laughs> 
I have now ignored all of that and come back to the media. That's it. That's it. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. When you were, when you were growing up, when you said you want to be an actor, was it like, were you movies? Were you, uh, was it Broadway? What was it for you? You know, it honestly was anything. I was the kid who I was putting on like shows around, you know, the neighborhood. I would do shows in the driveway. Anytime my parents had people over, I would, <laughs> I would lip sync and, and sometimes not lip sync, which was unfortunate for them. So like Belinda Carlisle songs, I just dated myself right now, um, but like created like choreography. So it honestly didn't matter. I just wanted to be performing like it yeah. really it, it didn't matter what it was and the, the really weird thing is so after I I switched back you know out of law and, and into what I do now this is probably like six seven years ago I decided to take an acting class in New York City because I had some free time and I really was like yeah you know what is this something I'm interested in and one of my friends had taken it and she's like oh it's so great and you speak and you do tv so it'll be great for you and I ended up doing it and it was the weirdest revelation of as I'm doing, I was like, yeah, this is fine, but I want to be myself instead. Mm. And I had so much more fun going on camera, being on TV or performing on a stage as me than pretending to be somebody else. And I was like, huh, look at that full circle shit. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> look at that. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So that was like my big epiphany about acting. So I have no regrets of not doing it because I think I, I came full circle of if I had wanted to audition, you know, for things and I could have, but I didn't want it. I was cool. I'm yeah. cool. I am cool with me. Facts. And Facts. That makes two of us. Uh the the uh, cool with you are cool with me. I mean Yeah, I hope, we're gonna move on now. I hope it's cool. um, but uh no. <laughs> <laughs> the uh <laughs> the the funny thing is is that i but i was choosing between uh going to school for theater or going to school for marine biology and that oh, was what my choice yeah, was yeah exactly yeah yeah you've, you've heard the story before and and so i wound up choosing marine biology because i was like you know what if i'm if i'm a good actor as long as i just keep putting myself in the right places it'll work out fine so let me get a degree that i could use uh, the irony of that now is is upon us, but because I'd no longer use my marine biology degree, and I like you now love being in front of cameras and love being on stages in front of individuals. But it's fascinating though because for me, uh, when I was younger, I, I wanted to do marine biology because I wanted to be on TV. Like that was I thought that was oh my, my god path. that's so funny that, that was, was my route. path to TV. I want to be the next Jacques Cousteau to now date myself and ah. and so so yeah. <laughs> but I always wanted to be in front of a camera talking to individuals about something that I was passionate about that I thought they should be passionate about. It just happened to be at the time fish, <laughs> and now it's. <laughs> Authenticity and vulnerability. Not fish. <laughs> not fish. Not fish. Yeah. My whole marine biology That's so degree. crazy. It's so funny. Look yeah. Us. Here we are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you, so you wind up going to school for law. You go to uh, a little known school, Georgetown. And, uh, <laughs> no, you're not going to Georgetown. <laughs> you just made me way smarter than I was. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's wrong with that? Yeah, just there go you go. With it. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, yeah. a, little, a little fraud in my life never hurt. <laughs> I mean, what's the worst thing I did? Drink, the... you know, coffee at diners at 2 a.m.? Yeah, we don't, we don't fact check this like Dak Shepard's armchair expert at the end so don't worry about it um uh, say whatever yes, you well, want. i started out my studies at yale yes, yes, yes. no where, where did you go to school 
I did my undergrad at Syracuse. So I started Syracuse yes. thinking I was going to go pre-law there. I got really freaking bored really fast because obviously I wanted to be an actress. And I decided to switch into advertising because that seemed sexy and fun. Yeah. And it was. And then I realized that nobody listens to you in advertising and everybody thinks you're stupid. Um, so that should go over well with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes that uh, market I've been pitching to. <laughs> So like you, you have all this education and experience and then data. So yeah. I'd come in with like data and the clients would be like, nah, no, <laughs> we know better. And I'm like, why am I here? So I think it was like self-validation where I was like, you know what, maybe try that law thing again. And then I went to Seton Hall, came back home to Jersey. That's why I'm saying I couldn't get too far away. Came back to Jersey, moved in with my parents, uh, wanted to shoot myself very quickly and ended up getting married too fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way to get out of the house. <laughs> like you, you love me? That's weird. It's only been six weeks. Oh, you're giving me a ring? Cool. Is that a true story? Six weeks? True story. Oh, I don't know this. Really? Yep. So you, mm-hmm. so so you go to Seton Hall for law school, grade school. Yeah. Uh, beautiful campus, and, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> actually, the building was really nice, and it was right by the train station, which was pretty pretty sound. <laughs> There you go. There you go. And, and so you get, you become a lawyer I did. Um, and then, uh, and then you meet, you meet somebody and within six weeks, what is, what is this story? So actually I was a second year law student. So I had finished my first year as in the second year and I was clerking at a, a local law firm, went to lunch and I meet this guy who passes me a note through the waitress as I'm eating lunch with my parents and it was very respectful. It was like, if you're single, I'd love to take you out. And I was a single mom at that point of a, how old was he? Four, three or four year old. So I'm, okay. I had my son when I was just shy of 21. So I'm a super young mom, super, you know, single living with my parents um, and going through law school. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this person could be Prince Charming because he just swept me off my feet. Like, I ended up meeting him, started bringing me flowers once a week, bought him new Mercedes for our first date. Um, Excuse like, me? took me away. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, <laughs> he was he was doing really well, very young. So I was 25, he was 27 and was in finance. Yeah. So played, you know, all with the big monies <clears throat> and just like basically showered me and here I was this like total disaster of a human being at this point because I have so many self-esteem issues. Yeah. And swept me off my feet and within six weeks he proposed and I was like yeah sign me up for this <laughs> and it's definitely it gonna be out, like this forever <laughs> yeah this is gonna be great <laughs> got married to, within uh I guess it was 10 months after that and yeah we were together for seven years before we divorced <laughs> wow okay yeah what so. a, what a series of uh, unfortunate events, Lemony Snicket. Um, <laughs> what what, what a uh, that's incredible. I did not know about the six week thing. I, I knew that you were you were married. Uh, you and I both share a divorce in common, which is why yes. we're friends. Um, that is. No. <laughs> and now uh, you are yeah. remarried, and I'm engaged. By the way, this took three and a half years because both of us were like, yeah. <laughs> like let's just really, really, really make sure we want to love each other for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Hell yeah. Cause are you his second marriage as well? Yeah. He's done yeah. this before. Yeah, I've yeah. done this before. We're like, he, he never wanted to get married again. He was like, Nope, not, not doing that again yeah. ever. And then I was like, well, I kind of want to. And he's like, I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm good for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then eventually I wore him down with my charm. Yeah. And now he actually wants to. The funniest thing is he went from, so my fiance is Kevin. He went from never wanting to get married to all of a sudden he's like planning our wedding in Italy and, and you know, telling me that I can't just text people that we're having it. <laughs> I was like, um, so I can just let them know, like, hey, guys, we'll be there around May 5th. Yeah. <laughs> Show up if you want. And he's like, Rachel, this is our wedding. This is important. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's adorable. It is fascinating, though, because I and I'm curious if you've noticed this. Men, men, we keep our walls up, especially because a lot of us don't think we deserve love because there was that one time where we hurt somebody and we're now like, ah, I'm not I'm on my head or whatever. And so we sometimes keep our walls up and keep people at bay. Um, I, I, I've been I've been known to say the phrase that men crave belonging yet run from love. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is once you uh, as a man decide to commit and actually make the decision to to invest, the walls come down and then you start having opinions because in in those moments like it's cool it's cool to be like yeah no my wife planned a whole wedding over here no it's great no i thought whatever flowers you want there pamela no no whatever you want i got you right like that's like the cool thing to be right but it's like i didn't plan anything i watch football the whole time burp fart whatever um and like but the fact of the matter is is that we as men are capable of greatness And are capable, and we actually do have opinions and do things. Things matter, um, but it's just not cool to let things matter. And so, yeah. I think it's awesome that Kevin is secure enough in himself, at least in this realm. You can call him out in other ones um, to yeah. be like, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm invested in this. I'm yeah. in." I can't just send an email out. I couldn't show him my dress. I was like, "Oh, I found this really cool dress. It's super like casual because obviously, like, it's just this casual wedding." Which I thought I could text people to invite them, and uh, he's like, "No, I don't want to see it." I'm like, "No." Who are, what is this? <laughs> we're 75 years old. Like, you think, why are we believing in this shit? Yeah, anyway. I love that. I love that. Are you doing yeah. it in Verona? I know you're a Verona fan. We are. That's the plan. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, we, I know, we I know had you this amazing trip there. Oh my God, that city is amazing. I could, yeah. I, we, we were looking at property there. We could probably actually get an apartment there right now. Can't get, can't get anywhere to live in New Jersey. <laughs> so. yeah, the Come market, on, kids. The market's nuts right now. Uh, oh, yeah, so that's stupid. crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so, okay, let's go back to this first one. Enough of your, enough of your okay. love. Let's talk about the shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting is you said something that was powerful where you're like, my self-esteem wasn't out of place to really oh, kind yeah. of be, uh, I guess to be suspicious or to be whatever. Like it was just kind of like he, he was feeding you what you needed to hear in those moments. Where oh did gosh. the self where did the self-esteem issues come from for you? Like was that something you've always had? Do we or? have time for this shit? <laughs> <laughs> you can lay down on my chase over here yeah, as well. I was That'd like, be great. Wait, you... <laughs> Where's my pillow? <laughs> Give me the blankie. Um no, you know, it it, it started young. Like it, and that's why I'm joking around, but yeah, it really did. It started super young. I was the chunky know-it-all. And mm. I talk about this, like I, you know, you've you've had the displeasure of, of watching me speak. And, you know, it's a story that I tell where I had no friends. You know, I was bullied as a young girl. I was made to feel like my weight was everything mm. and that my looks were everything and that my intelligence was actually a deterrent to people liking me. So 
that was super cool. And that was all of my childhood until I was about like 12 years old. So all of those like fundamental like peer group and it's funny. So I went and got my master's in psych because I was bored. And uh, you realize how much, especially between five and 12 is so important in terms of really creating that self-esteem. And it did not happen. And I ended up getting better um, in high school, had some friend groups and really I'm still good friends with friends from high school. I lost weight, you know, I was called pretty or whatever. And, um, you know, it was kind of this in-between stage. And then in college, I ended up losing weight and then gaining a ton of weight and developed an eating disorder because that's, that's how you do it. Sure. Um, sure. And it just really kind of messed with me and my self-esteem and everything had always felt so centered around those things. And I'd never looked at it and I'd never done the work on it. I just, and I did, I ended up going to a therapist. I remember this in college and this is where I'm like, oh my God, this is why therapists get a bad name. Cause I go there and she's like, well, you're not that chunky. Oh no. <laughs> I was like, she's like, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be boys that love, you know, a little extra meat on their bones. And I'm like, who the says that <laughs> where did you go to school that is terrible <laughs> and so but i remember it so clearly like yeah what <laughs> so yeah i was just a mess and i was you know bad in relationships because of that which is ironic you know of where i ended up now but it took me until i was like 30 years old to get to a place where i'm like oh no no i'm good now um, and part of that is John, my, my ex-husband who actually did pass away. So I, I like to say, you know, late ex-husband, but then people have questions. Um, but I, I definitely attribute a lot of my growth to that relationship because it forced me to finally be like, oh no, 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 this is not okay. I'm not okay too. And I need to work on that. So yeah, I got nothing but love. That's, that's beautiful. It's interesting how some of those tough moments are our best teachers oftentimes. And so going through that tough relationship, at what point, like how, how far into it were you, I guess, did the, did the rose colored glasses come off and, and were you like, oh, this isn't, this isn't actually happiness. This is work. This is, I'm, I haven't gotten another Mercedes in a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, what did that look like? It was pretty, it was pretty quick. So he ended up having some challenges and I, I always try to vaguely cause my children, I respect them more than, than anything in this world. No, um, and I I'm super honest with them obviously, but with the public, um, definitely kind of keep it vague, but he had some challenges and there was a, a Jekyll and Hyde moment very quickly after we got married. And it was like the man, it was the type of person he actually did offer this once. So I had heels on and he was offering to put his coat on the ground so I could walk on it. So I didn't get my heel stuck in the ground, like that kind of just like worshiping. Yeah, yeah. And then once we got married, it was a whole different person mm, and it okay. was a lot, like there was so many different elements. Um, but yeah, it was just, it very quickly came off and I'm the type of person, one of my highest values in this world for myself is responsibility. So here I am, my parents just spend a shit ton of money on a wedding I've now, this man is now my son's father because his dad uh, was never a part of his life and oh. never tried to be, and I never tried to get him to be. And so he had adopted him in every sense of the way, except for legally, because he didn't want to contact him. And then, you know, I, I'm just like, well, I live here now. Like you made your bed, like this is what you do. And it was just such a traumatic 
experience to move through. And so when I hear people, you know, I, I had a, <laughs> this is going to sound so lame, but I had a TikTok go viral recently. Um, hey, and <laughs> I, well, I, it's like, it's like every day this one's about to hit a million views and it's about when, you know, your relationship's over. And it honestly doesn't even have to do with, with him directly, but I have all these people commenting of like, you never leave and you never leave with kids. And like, this is, you know, bad. And I'm like, the trauma that you expose the children to, the trauma that you experience yeah. is not okay. So for me, you know, it's a, it's a very, like you can, you can, I can even feel I'm like, holy shit, I just went from laughing to being in that somber space. But like, yeah, like you put yourself back in there, like, whoo, that was, that was a long, painful lesson. Yeah. But we all ended up okay on the other side. Which is beautiful, which is beautiful. But that, that process of finding courage is not easy. And you found it. Yeah. And that's incredible. Was that something that, did you have other people kind of helping you out? Or did you have some friends who were like, I don't know about this. Like sometimes our friends don't tell us that a relationship was bad until after we got out. Like, oh yeah, I never thought that was going to work, sweetheart. No, yeah, no, that was terrible. Um, right? Did you have people yeah. that were just doing that? Or did you have some people along the way that were kind of pointing it? Or was it kind of you that you're like, this isn't right. I deserve, I deserve more. My children deserves more. I want more. Yeah, I lied to everybody. I lied to protect. I lied to everybody. My parents had no idea what was going on behind closed doors. The mm. neighbors had no idea until I left. And then they're like, holy shit. Um, so like all of these things were just hidden until I left. And even now, like some people don't know everything that went on or, sure. or why I left because of the perception that was created. And even before I left, it was we had formed this company together. So we, I, we had started this dating company that launched me into where I am today. Um, or, or led to that road. And so I was already having these like public situations or public, you know, things that I was doing on TV or, you know, just even with the company. So there were always already this kind of need to protect or need to hide. And it was awful. So yeah, it wasn't until I was gone that they were like, you know, some people finally felt like they could say something, but most people were just surprised yeah. because of how I acted in front of them. And I was like, right. see, I am an actress. See, <laughs> Emmy. Take right it. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Rachel. Well played. Uh, <laughs> it is incredible that from a shit-tastic relationship, or at least I'm not knowing it, not knowing everything about of it, but from a very hard relationship, uh, let's let's put it that way, uh, to have then with that individual started some sort of dating company to now be a relationship expert. Uh, that is what, what a beautiful journey. And I know it wasn't, it's now beautiful, um, but that doesn't mean it, it clearly was ugly for a while. But at what point did you realize, hey, being a lawyer has been fun, thanks, or been fine, thanks. I think I actually want to point the ship at, at, at relationships. You know, it wasn't intentional. It was, I, so we start, we had this idea for a company that was actually based on the way that we met. So passing mm. the note through the waitress, we're like, we could help people meet people and be in hopefully better relationships than ours um, and do it in an offline online way. So we created this company idea and launched that. And I intended to be a lawyer running this company until the media started calling and we were in the Wall Street Journal and New York Times and then Oprah called. It was her last season and I did not go on Oprah, but uh, I still had the caller ID somewhere in like a dead computer. <laughs> um, but it was just this crazy thing where it just took over. And then 
all of a sudden we, we met somebody who's affiliated with Shark Tank and uh, one of the sharks wanted to get in on the company and said, hey, listen, you need to become the face of this. You need to become an expert. And then we're going to pull in the company behind you. I was like, uh, okay. And I was like, what am I, an e- what am I an expert in? <laughs> and they go, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are we doing now? I'm an actress. <laughs> um, and they said, you're a flirting expert. And I'm like, cause it was a way for people to flirt essentially was the company. And I was like, a, a flirting expert. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Like that could go a lot of different ways, but probably not going to bring me back into the courtroom with any sort of uh, presence or credibility. So, but I, we had investors and we had all of this poured into it and we, like, I never took a, a salary. We poured all of our money into it. So I'm like, well, screw it. Like the company's not doing well. I need to do this. So I became a flirting expert on TV. I started going on TV. I wrote a book in 10 days. Please do not buy that one. Um, it's so bad. It's so freaking bad. It's like, it's so basic. I mean, listen, it works and a lot of people liked it, but like, I still find like, if I dare to pick it up, I'm like, and there's another typo. Cause it was a hybrid publisher. and nobody cared. <laughs> So yeah, I wrote this book on flirting, started talking about flirting on TV and then started talking about dating and the company got washed out because it was pre-app dating. App dating came out and people were like, why, why am I handing out cards to people when I could just swipe? And so it, it just, mm. it got subsumed. And, um, I still got called to be on TV and I was like, well, shit, what am I doing now? <laughs> I am <laughs> divorced at this point. Yeah. I am not going back to law. One, because I loved what I was doing. Like I loved TV. I loved talking. And, um, you know, I just, I was like, okay, so what do I do now? And people were asking me to coach them. And I had no idea what that meant. I was like, I don't play soccer and I don't think you want me helping you do either. So <laughs> no idea what it was and went back and became a coach and then, evolved you know that's just like that evolution of where you go from you know something that you you thought was what you were going to stay in for a while and I'm like yeah this dating flirting thing is cool and obviously I still talk about it but I wanted to go into like more impactful things and that's how I evolved into relationships and that was like 10 years ago so yeah awesome that's That's it that's awesome what a journey that's so cool (laughs) I I also love I kind of want to learn more we could do it offline about this about these cards that you would pass out and whatnot Uh, I think that sounds sounds like an intriguing model (laughs) the uh it was something clearly clearly it was it was was. I mean we had we raised like 1.6 million dollars in a private placement like people believed in it um it just shit the bed the internet ruins most things. It really did. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, okay, you can pivot, but then you're you're competing with Tinder or, you know, a, a crazy okay, large, you know, yeah, not, yeah it right. doesn't happen. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. So you now teach relationships, right? You do a ton of media appearances. Uh, you've done Married at First Sight, K Plus Date, right? Like you are, you are in the public eye as a relationship expert. Yes, sir. For you... In thinking about your divorce, what did your divorce teach you that you now are excited to teach others? Oh my God, we don't have enough time for this. Okay, great. Well, let's go back to your self-esteem then. I'm not- <laughs> let's go back to the fourth grade. Um, yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing is is self-worth. If we're going to boil it all down, because I could talk about red flags, I could talk about knowing when to go, I could talk about who to choose, I could talk about non-negotiables and all those things, but it really does come back to self-worth, knowing who you are, knowing what you want, and knowing that you are worthy of it is really everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. 
I think, you know, when I think back to, to my divorce, uh, we had, and we had very different divorces. And I think that's something that a lot of people are often, once they, once they hear your divorce, they kind of put everybody in the same box, but divorces are so incredibly broad in their reasons and their everything. And so, uh, we are, though, though we are both a member of the club, how we got into it is very different. And when I think about the idea of uh, the idea of divorce, it is, uh, it was a huge learning moment for me. Um, and, and I think for me, I also, I also was struggling with self-worth, but I, I didn't name it as that for a while, uh, like until like, well, after the, after the divorce. Um, and again, our, how we both got to our self-worth issues are different though. They both do stem from middle school and high school. Um, and so Those little jerks, right? Like <laughs> how much power do we give these people? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. That's, that's it. <laughs> Who do you give your power to is, yeah. a, is always a powerful, is always an important question to ask. Yeah. And so I think that was it. A lot of it for me was, you know, in my relationship, it was a lot of shoulds of like, all right, well, this is happening. So I should, or they want this. So I should, or this and that I should. And, and, uh, I was in a, a relationship with an exceptional human being, um, that did not have a plot twist, just kept me in the same really great human being that just wasn't right. Uh, and, and you, you think to yourself, a lot of what I, I remember a lot of the, that, that process for me, there was a moment right after the divorce from my, my parent, I think I've said this on here before, but where, where my mom said, so this wasn't good enough for you. When is anything oh. ever going to be good enough for you? Oh, mom. Right. And that, and that moment, and, and but she hit the nail on the head, right? Cause I, that was, that was the pain point for me is also like, why isn't this good enough for you? What is wrong with you that this isn't enough? And uh, and I, and I couldn't name it yet, which made it yeah. even harder because I couldn't name it. I just, I just know, I just knew it wasn't right. And, and that sucks because I had to, I, I had to hurt somebody, didn't have to hurt somebody, did hurt somebody who didn't deserve to be hurt, deserved more communication, deserved more authenticity and vulnerability and wasn't getting it because I couldn't name it. And that's something else that's interesting. I think men, men often don't let people in on their processes. We let people in on our solutions. Right. And, and so that was, that was what was going on. And I didn't, I didn't let her in, uh, but it's fascinating to watch the way that self-worth is a big thing. Cause during that time where it's like, all right, yeah, well, this is happening. So I should, instead what I, I should have been asking myself is, do I want, is this what I want? Is it, is this next step? What I want? Is this what I want? Yeah. Is this right? And if it's not like, who knows what would have happened had I stood up for myself in one of those moments. Maybe the same result would have happened quicker, or maybe that relationship would have sustained for way longer. Um, and or who knows, right? And living in those what ifs is not what I'm about. As you mentioned, I'm very happily married, and so I'm not going back to it. Um, and, and it just doesn't do anybody any favors. But again, it comes down to that idea of taking a beat and being like, what do I want? What do I deserve? Um, and that's something that I don't often ask myself a lot. I let other individuals often be the determiner of my self-worth uh, and social media is great at it. It's awesome. It's, it's really so fun. good. It's so good. So it feels so good every day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but it's so, it's interesting to hear about, you know, what you are, what you went through uh, with, with your divorce, what it has taught you, how is that now impacting your current relationship? What are you doing differently in your current relationship because of what you learned? I mean, I think we do everything differently, but I also, I have to say in my relationship now, we are so compatible. 
Mm. And, you know, that can't be understated. Like we are just, everything is easy. Our, our personalities have probably shifted because of our experiences, but we've still never had a fight. We've been together for three and a half years. We've gone through some serious shit and we've never even raised our voices to each other. This doesn't mean that sometimes we don't get annoyed. Um, mostly because he does something wrong. Obviously, I'm perfect, but um, <laughs> but yeah, he, you know, he and I just we we talk about everything, and so you know, I think part of it is I can't even say that I'm trying so much harder. Mm. I think it's just naturally so much easier because of our personalities and the way that we mesh, and his disposition and my disposition with him. Like he doesn't trigger anything in me. And I, you know, that's something that was, it's interesting too. I, I, I love my son so much. <laughs> you always know something good's going to come out of a mom's mouth when they have yep, to preface yep. it like that. <laughs> um, he's an amazing kid and so just like smart and awesome in every way, but he is stubborner as hell and we fight like we absolutely fight. And it's funny because even though my ex wasn't his biological father, like there's some of that stubbornness that I think like, <laughs> like does, does it rub off on us? <laughs> we spend too much time there. But I was like, oh my gosh, it's just such a different relationship between him and I, where I actually do have to work at it harder you know, with conversation, with communication with my son so that we end up in a productive situation versus yelling at each other versus with Kevin, who I don't have to work that hard. We just, we just fit and it's easy. And it's almost like, I I don't even want to tell people to like search for that. Cause I'm like, I don't even know if that that exists (laughs) everywhere. I'm like, (laughs) feels like a unicorn to me. And I do this for a living. Like it's not hard. So I don't know if that answered the question, except for make people hate me. Yay. Seek that's out Rachel Dialta for relationship advice. She'll tell you, <laughs> just find one that's easy. <laughs> uh, Cheers. Uh, sips, sips Perrier. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I'm so bougie. I mean, tea. at least that's I own it. I mean, it. I am in sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and I, I have slippers on. Does that help? Yes. Okay. 100%. Right. 100%. Just trying. Uh, yeah. No, trying. Trying right. to be relatable. You are. You are. You are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that is that is beautiful that it is that easy, right? That the like you said the dispositions match and all that. That's a, that's incredible, and I'm 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 super happy for you, uh, right? I did, obviously, I didn't know I didn't know Rachel. I didn't know Rachel back in the day, uh, but I know Rachel now, and it, it is cool to see how happy you are. It's really special. Very happy. It's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. So, and we're planning this wedding. We got a lot of stuff cooking, but. <laughs> Rachel, well, I'm not planning it. Yeah, oh, touche. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> touche. Uh, so, Rachel, here's what here's what I want to do right now. We have a segment okay. on this show, and I'm wondering if I could do this segment with you. You let me know. It's called Things You Didn't Know About Me uh, Before But Are Now Really Glad That You Did. Now, there's two things you should know about this segment on the show, Rachel Dialto. Uh, the yeah. first one is that the name changes every time. Uh, okay. The second thing... <laughs> Why didn't I get like the like things you like to eat? <laughs> like, why are you gonna give me the complicated one? I was like, wait, do I, what am I telling you? 
You're totally fine. The second thing you should know is that the premise stays the same each time. So here's what we're going to do, Rachel. You and I are going to share some random facts about us, not related to relationships, not related, or if you want it to be, it could be like a quirk or something like that. Um, But like a random, just like you're thinking a rant, like what's an embarrassing story? What's a time where you, yeah, no, I'm blatantly putting you on the spot. Everybody get this. This is the treatment. This is the treatment you get here. Um, Don't worry. I'll go first. So it's all good. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so an embarrassing story, a random quirk about you, maybe if you sing or something that you like in the particular okay. order. Okay, um, I, got, I got it. I got She's it. She's got I, it. I got mine. I got Great, mine. well, you need two. So think of another yeah. one. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I love it. Uh, so I, uh, I will, I will go first. <clears throat> I'll go first. Okay. So, uh, as you know, there are a lot of food quirks that I have. I eat a lot of foods in different ways and weird and weird ways. Um, but, uh, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the things that I do most frequently, um, is that whenever I eat cereal, Whenever I eat cereal. Now, first off, I've recently found out that there are people on this earth that put the milk in the bowl first. I don't know if, which is a fascinating subset of this population on this planet. Uh, But anyway, so, so anyway, I pour, I pour the the cereal in the bowl. I pour the milk into the bowl and then stir them all up so that each piece of cereal has an appropriate amount of milk on it. And then I proceed to drink all of the milk out of the bowl. Before eating the cereal? Before eating the cereal. Yes, I oh, drink all the milk, so I stop the uh, the moisturification for all technical terms, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, or absorption if you want to use science terms. <laughs> okay, sorry, lawyer. we're getting all. Getting all <laughs> oh, okay. Wow, someone someone graduated from being a three L. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, I stop the absorption uh, from happening. Uh, so yeah, that's a, and then I eat the then I eat the rest of the cereal bowl. I don't think I'm ever going to eat with you again without wondering all the weird shit you do. I'll happily tell you most of them. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That, there's a there's a random one about me. What do you got for us? Um, one of my favorite things that I don't tell people is that I sleepwalk when I'm stressed out. <laughs> Incredible! <laughs> and I like... I act out dreams. So last night, I don't even know what last night's was, but I did wake up. I woke myself up sitting up straight in bed and talking. And Kevin just like watches me at this point. He thinks it's hilarious. Um, The other day, there was a mattress flying through the wind in my room that I ran out of bed to try to catch before it broke the window. (laughs) One day there will be film. What so. I can only hope. I think that's what we all need right now. Yeah. Uh, now, did yeah. you actually break the window? No, there was okay. no window. There was no window. There was no window. <laughs> there was no window. There was no, window. Window. There was I no mattress. Sleep in a cell. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where the window yeah. I thought was, because I tend to wake myself up during it, but during it, but uh, mm. I actually have been doing this forever since I was a little kid. We're our first, my first memory of sleepwalking was at Disney World when I was probably like eight years old, and I walked out the hotel room down the hall into the lobby. Like my parents like heard a weird door click and they found me in the lobby at like two o'clock in the morning. So yeah. And now it happens more so when I'm stressed out because my dreams, I think I just allow my subconscious to let it all out there. Yeah. So 
Lucky Kevin. <laughs> Lucky Kevin. These are the poikes. Uh, <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, I was going to share another fact, but now I'll share this one. Um, okay. And that is that I have also, I've slept walk. From my knowledge, I've slept or slept something three three memorable times. It's probably happened more times than that. Um, the first time was when I was down. We were down visiting my grandparents in Florida, and I slept walk in their house and wound up being out at the TV thinking that we were all having a conversation, and I was the one watching TV, and I, I woke up in the chair with not holding a remote, though I thought I had a remote. And I was like, "All right, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> the next time was a couple of years later, uh, a couple of years later, and uh, it was at, it was at my house growing up, and this is probably middle school, I think-ish, and middle school, high school, and I, I get up, and and I walk to, and I'm walking around, and I walk to the head of the stairs. I'm at the top of the stairs, and my parents' room kind of is like at the end of the hallway, and so you can kind of see the top of the stairs. My parents are watching me, and and they, they finally wake me up, like, James. James and I wake up and my dad and my mom was like, Oh my gosh, I thought you were going to fall down the stairs. I couldn't believe it. My dad was like, I didn't care about that. I thought he just missed the bathroom. was going to take a piss down the stairs. Um, <laughs> the only other time I can remember having a dream that I woke up doing something is that I was in the dream. I was fishing on the St. Lawrence river, shout out to upstate New York and uh, I was fishing on the St. Lawrence river. And I went to catch a fish, but then I couldn't, pulled it up for whatever reason. He got like stuck behind this rock. So I had to like reach down to grab the fish and it bit me. And I woke up with my forearm in my mouth and it was bruised for two days. I was biting myself so hard. It was teeth mark for days. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I've never hurt myself during sleepwalking, but that's there awesome. There it is. There it is. is so that, well, you, you love your fishes. I do. It's a sign. Yeah. See? Even though, even though they bite back, they bite back. <laughs> that's amazing rachel hit us with one more one more random fact about yourself oh my god okay so i can't believe i'm gonna say this which is always the premise of something good but um i have a tramp stamp from when i was 17 years old and i allowed my then boyfriend who i was in love with Mm. to draw said tramp stamp and then he got the matching one on his shoulder rachel I I don't I, I normally don't have words, but I may not have words right now. <laughs> and no, I'm not going to show it. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. I respect that. So you still have it, despite technology. Well, you can't get rid of it. Like well, it's, it's really painful to remove a tattoo. So no, it's going to live there forever. I'm going to be 95 years old, and poor Kevin's going to be like walking by me, like really still there. Wow, that's amazing. I love that the pain of getting the tattoo removed is worse than <laughs> the pain of having to admit that you have it. <laughs> you actually make a really good point. I think I might Google something today. <laughs> Never say it didn't make an impact on your life, Rachel. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Rachel, here's a fun fact. Let's jump, let's jump back in. Here's a fun fact about you and I is that you and I are both passionate about the topic of relatability, which according to Microsoft word is not a word. Um, it still puts the regularly squig line under it and I'm not interested. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I, maybe I 
like changed my computer because <laughs> 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 I think I'm done with that. Yeah, it doesn't no, tell fair. me those things anymore. I need you. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I'll You're show like, who's you. Who's in charge here? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Get out of <laughs> here, Delete. tiny, tiny paperclip man. It's uh, <laughs> another old school reference. <clears throat> So, so yeah, but we are both passionate about the topic of relatability. You are so passionate about it that you decided I'll write a book uh, and it's coming out Simon and Schuster. Yes. Um, Great. Cause if not, I would edit that, but I don't edit anything else in this podcast. In case you're wondering, (laughs) nothing will be cut out. Um, But but yeah, so, uh, so it's coming out and, uh, and I love it. You, you, this, uh, this book it's called uh, relatable, how to connect with anyone anywhere, even if it scares you. What prompted this book? Why relatability? Why does it matter? Why does it matter to you so much that you're like, I need to write a book on this? Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's like anything else that we do where it just bubbles up and you're like, ah, oh, man, I can't get this out of my head. I can't get it off my heart. And I was doing these keynotes. So it came up as like a keynote idea where people just weren't connecting. You know, they weren't connecting in a way that I really thought they could make meaningful connections, whether it be at a college or it be at a corporate in, uh, engagement. And people just don't get each other. And our social skills have gone down so far and social anxiety became such a big problem and people are afraid to start those connections. So for me, it started off as this keynote that I give and I saw it really change people. And so I was like, okay, COVID came and I was like, okay, I never have time to just sit and think and create. Mm -hmm. And I had been working on the book proposal for a while, but off and on. And I sat down and I really like focused on it. And I realized that there really was a book beyond, you know, the the keynote that I give and beyond all of those concepts. And it just became something that that's a passion of mine. And now is kind of my whole platform is is just being relatable because it's it's the cornerstone of everything, whether we're talking about, you know, we talk a lot about romantic relationships, obviously relatability matters in there, but it's also the same thing in professional relationships, personal relationships. If you're making friends, you have to be relatable. If you are wanting to sell something, you have to be relatable. If you want to lead a team, you have to be relatable. So I think I have a series coming out now. <laughs> In case you were wondering. <laughs> yep. Turns out I got some more things to write, but uh, I think I'm going to handle one at a time right now. But yeah, it's just, I believe in it so much. I believe in like, that is the the foundation of everything. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, uh, you know, I'm on the same page. Like I mentioned, you and I are the, uh, the only two people that I know, and I'm sure there are more, but that are talking about no. relatability. To the, to Forget the, that. There's not, there's not. No, nobody else. Perfect. Thanks for doing the research. And <laughs> I Googled. <laughs> Perfect. Um, when in doubt, trust the internet. That's what I also I've always said. So the, <laughs> the there was concept a quote by the Dalai Lama, Lama that said it was just us. Oh, perfect. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's both get that on a mug. Uh, <laughs> To use under our Nespresso machines, which is a good time to bring up our sponsor, Nespresso. <laughs> it should be very <laughs> ideal. <laughs> oh step, my god! One beverage thing at a time. And yeah. <laughs> Conflict. Conflict. I uh, relatability is so powerful because when we see ourselves in someone else, we believe that we can. Right, and so there's this idea uh, that we a lot of us put up though is that we. We need to be somebody else in order to be loved, in order to be liked, in order to be dateable, in order to be accepted, in order to be seen as a leader, in order to be trusted, in order to be whatever it is, right? The stories that we write are so powerful in our head. They cause us to be inauthentic. We have convinced ourselves 
I am not good enough the way I am to do the thing I want or to get the thing I want. And so I have to act like somebody else, right? And it's it's fascinating the way that we write, to, to watch the way we write these stories in our heads. With all the relationship work that you have done, what are some of the most popular stories that people often write in their heads that you've seen that take them from being authentic and themselves to being inauthentic and not relatable? One, I think any sort of perfectionism, I have to be perfect. And that can be from so many different sources. It could be your family of origin that creates that. It could be your own internal, you know, personality or things that you've gone through that create those elements. Um, and then the other one is really associated with it, which is, you know, I'm not good enough to show myself. I'm not why would anybody want to connect with me? You know, I have to be be better than me. That's why I look at these filters nowadays. And this is something I talk about so often. And listen, I mean, a little bit of highlight helps me a lot because <laughs> I'm old. But like some of these filters, I'm like, you don't look like that. I mean, one of my friends, I love her to pieces. I'm like, you lost your nose. Like you have no nose left. Like you've completely eradicated half of your face and all of your features because they think that this looks better, but it's just a, it's a, you know, an anomaly for anomaly. Oh my gosh. I can't talk anymore. An um, anomaly. But you know what I mean? It's just a, it's an example of really what we're doing in everyday life, which is we're filtering to the point of, you know, lacking recognition and then how are you actually getting connecting or getting connected to somebody who you can't even recognize? You don't even know. So it is a vicious cycle. Yeah. But yeah, self-worth is is a beast. It's a yeah, for sure, as we've it's already talked about in this conversation yeah. uh, with both of us and our and our journeys with self-worth for sure. It is it is fascinating to watch the way people tell stories about themselves. And the way that we beat ourselves up and, and all those, and it's, I mean, we're so good at it. It's really yeah. exceptional. Did and we shit on ourselves today? Not enough. Yeah. Like I almost feel like, listen, can we, for the rest of this, just be like, listen, I'm an, I'm the horrible person. <laughs> Is that even a word? I'm really bad. I'm ugly. <laughs> well, now you're lying, but yeah. <clears throat> everything else I agreed with, but uh, no. <laughs> Are you pretty? <laughs> you, you sure are pretty. Oh my god, I just snorted. Can I, pet, can, I, can I pet the rabbits, George? Uh, <laughs> now you got creepy. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's, everything's fine. Uh, <laughs> so I'm wondering, I'm wondering for you, you know, when you think about your greatest teachers. Was divorce one of your greatest teachers? What were some of the teachers that you had in between divorce and finding this new relationship? Because there certainly was a gap in there. Like, what were some of your ways that you built your own confidence or self-worth? Yeah, I honestly, no, I'm still a mess. (laughs) Well, it's funny because I'm still not, and part of this is, I think an asset, um, you know, we were talking yesterday or the other day about, um, I was in that clubhouse room and people were kind of making a big deal of me and my book and changing their picture to my book. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. Like stop being so nice to me. I need somebody to make fun of me. Um, so I think I still do have a trouble with accepting and accepting praise and, and just embracing that. But I also like that it keeps me humble. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people, 
And I do have big goals and I have, you know, even bigger dreams of, of stages that I've, I've been on and where I want to go. And I like that I have that, like, I want, I want to always want people to make fun of me, mm-hmm. but I do think it, there was along the way, so many teachers in, in terms of not only the divorce and, and getting through, you know, that really rough spot. Sometimes you have to hit that really low point to bounce back up. And I think that's, you know, a huge motivator for me, but there was a lot of work that I was beginning to do within even, you know, that, that relationship and whether it was reading, you know, coming across like a book or going to therapy, I started, I had um, basically forced him to go to to counseling together. And then I got my own therapist. And, you know, thankfully, it wasn't the same one that was like, oh, they love chunky girls. <laughs> oh, no. I can't believe you tried therapy again. That would be enough for most people to say never again. Yeah. I mean, it, it was so, so bizarre. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I ended up finding an amazing therapist who really kind of directed me towards some books. And and I was I'm always been an avid you know person in terms of education. And that's really where I got a lot of um, I think my self-worth, too, is really learning and learning that a lot of this wasn't my fault, learning that self-awareness um, and then using some of the modalities that I was exposed to, whether it was yoga or working out or um, hypnosis, meditation you know, all of these different elements that allowed me to kind of come back to myself. And it, I don't, I don't think it was one thing. I think it was all of these different things that just added up to uh, where I ended up, which is a pretty, pretty solid place. A little, little bit of self-deprecation, deprecation, deprecation left. <laughs> um, <laughs> but otherwise we are, you're good. Yeah. That's beautiful. You know, I think there's a, there's a famous quote by uh, the wise old sage anonymous, um, an anonymous once said that happiness is only a place that you can visit, but the smartest people go there often. And I love Aww, that quote. And I think for me, I, like that. I often apply that quote also to my relationship with confidence. Confidence is the only place that you can visit, but the smartest people go there often, right? You don't all of a sudden cross into confidence corner and that's where you live now, right? Like, like put plant yeah. flag, especially because there's, yeah, there's so many different facets, right? Like, I mean, I don't know about you, but whenever I walk off stage, I often get the question of like, how did, where did you get your confidence? And I was like, no, you just saw me at my most confident. I'm now insecure again. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> And also, can you say that that was awesome? (laughs) Tell me that you like me and did you follow me on social media? Thanks. (laughs) But yeah, right? Like, and and, and so confidence is this, it's a fascinating journey for me. And, and I hear that in you as well. And I love to hear that, you know, you went to, you went to counseling, you tried counseling again, and that, it, that it really helped. And you just started to build that self-worth and that self-deprecation. That's something that I grew up a lot around in my house. And it's something that my mom is very good at. I was taught from a young age by my dad, make fun of yourself before anybody else makes fun of you. Cause then nobody will ever be able to get to you built a great flow self-esteem. And uh, it is, it's fascinating because in some ways it is, it is very funny. Right. And it is, it's funny. It's endearing. It's a way to try to humble ourselves. It also is something that makes people feel uncomfortable. I had a, uh, I had a, a good friend of mine and my college roommate. I started doing stand up in college and, and just started doing stand up comedy and just would perform at the Hawk's nest on campus. And, uh, and it was 90% of my, of my jokes were self-esteem related and like just taking knocks at myself, self-deprecation and, I did it. I, I did a few sets and my roommate came up to me. He's like, brother, 
He's like, you're really funny. He's like, you know, I think you're funny. I laugh at you all the time. I've literally laughed so hard. I spit orange juice all over you at Perkins. And so he's like, you know that I think you're funny. He's like, so, but I also need to tell you the laughs that you're getting on stage aren't laughs that are groans. Oh. And, and it was a really hard moment for me because my biggest fear, one of my biggest fears is being a burden others, making other people feel uncomfortable. And I want everybody to feel safe and feel fine around me. And so self-deprecation is certainly a way to humble ourselves, but there also comes a point where it gets a little too deep and a little too dark. Yeah. Have, have you noticed that as, as someone who, who is occasionally <laughs> self-deprecating? Um. I definitely have noticed when uh, there's been times where people call me out for it. I think you were one of them. Uh, like after, <laughs> you're like, go get it. Throw a little extra in there. Um, you didn't talk about how you know unsymmetrical your face is yet. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, the one thing I think that I try to balance it out, you know, and, and so it doesn't get too heavy and, and it doesn't repeat itself too much because I think, you know, there is a lot of truth in humor, you know? Yeah. And so I also am a believer of if I keep saying it, then I'm going to believe it. So I don't, I don't think I use it to the darkness point. I could be wrong. I mean, please, anybody listening, still listening. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> let me know. <laughs> and it's funny because even like Kevin, Kevin writes my self-deprecation out of my emails because I'll send them. I was, I, I might be getting an endorsement from an enormous person, not in size, but in uh, status Beautiful. and was like beyond dream endorser, super celebrity. And I was sending a follow-up email and I basically was like, you know, I know that I'm like a peon in your pool or whatever it is. Like, it was just this like very deprecating. And then there was a couple other things. And he's like, no, you're taking that out. It's like, you're owning who you are. Like, stop that shit. Cause it, people could read that as you don't believe in your project or you don't believe in yourself. And I'm like, you know what? That's a really good point. Um, Cause I tend to use it in a different way, but I could see how there's different perceptions. So I think it's just good. You keep people around you that keep you from going too dark. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I love, I love that he does that for you as well. Uh, that that's incredible. I think uh, I agree. And it's been a journey for me to try to, to overcome it. And I've done a lot. And fortunately I have a, <laughs> Tina likes to tell me all the time. Uh, don't talk to the man I love like that. Right? When I talk, when I talk about when I shit on myself and it Aww. is right. But it's like, don't talk to my best friend like that. Don't talk to my, right. Like yep. Those kind of comments are like, oh, good. Um, and because it, it's, oh, it's real, shucks. but uh, yep. I love it. I love that this whole process of being relatable also comes from you realizing, as you said earlier, that, that you are enough, you are enough uh, to love, you are enough uh, to lead, you are enough to be friends with, you are enough to all those kinds of things. And that, that process is way easier said than done, but it is work worth doing to realize that we are enough. And Rachel, you are enough, my friend. And I so really value, I value our friendship more than I can say. And I'm, uh, I'm grateful for the time that you give me. And thank you so much for coming into the diner today, my friend. I appreciate you. I love the diner. Thank you. And I feel exactly the same. 
Thank you, Rachel. This is really fun. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, y'all. That was my time with Rachel D'Alto. She is an incredible human being. Make sure you pre-order her new book, Relatable, How to Connect with Anyone, Anywhere, even if it scares you. She was a special guest, y'all. We got deep. We got there. Let me let me know what resonated with you. Shoot me a message. I'd love to hear what resonated for you in this conversation. And until next time we get to hang out in the diner, my friends, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. (laughs) If you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, come on now, you're going to make me blush. (laughs) Also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.